we target nutrition. From there, we target stress. I don't even get into the movement portion because I understand that often when you are in chronic pain, your stress levels are going to be much higher because you're stressed about your pain. So I have to figure out what you're doing in your life and how that's going to help you. When it comes to nutrition, pretty much everybody's on an anti-inflammatory diet across the board, and that's because inflammation makes your pain worse. I'm Luke Story. Hello, I'm Paul Chen. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Welcome back to the Holistic OBGYN Podcast, everybody. My name is Nathan Riley. I'm an OBGYN, board certified. Got all the diplomas sitting in a box somewhere to prove it. (laughs) If you need to work with me for anything in my podcast or anywhere um, appeals to you, go to BelovedHolistics.com. Um, you're listening to the Holistic OB-GYN podcast. I also have a clinical focused, clinically focused podcast called the OB-GYN which I recently rebooted. You can find either of my podcasts on any of the platforms where you find, where you find your podcast. <laughs> um, my guest today is Barry on Barry, who is a, um, gosh, she has a ton of training from functional nutrition to fertility awareness educator. Um, what's very unique about her is that there are not a lot of black women in this space speaking the way that Barian does. Uh, Barian is a um, a beautiful black educated woman who is going to toe the line as do I around radical responsibility and what is and not in your control when it comes to women's health from the standpoint of hormones, fertility awareness tracking. Um, Her specialty is fertility and you can um, pursue her work and find her on all of the, the, I'll include a whole bunch of links here in the podcast description. Um, Barian is one of those people who can riff on virtually everything when it comes down to hormones and the gut and a variety of women's health issues. And um, I wanted to bring her on to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the some of the truths that you're seeking around not just um, women's health, but also black women's health, specifically if you're on this fertility journey, or even if you just have like a glimmer in your eye that you want to have kids someday. It's really real helpful to start getting some of your upstream health issues, especially if they're contributing to a fertility challenge, um, to get some of that stuff dialed in. And this isn't just like a rich white person's conversation, which is why Barian and I actually get into some racial stuff as well on her podcast when I was a guest, as well as on my podcast today um, in this conversation that you're about to hear. So um, Barian is, uh, she's a breath of fresh air. Um, you can find her podcast, which is happily hormonal spelled H O R M O N E L. 
that also happens to be the uh, the URL for her website if you want to join her private circle and get some direct um, support from her. Her name is spelled, by the way, B-E-R-R-I-O-N, last name B-E-R-R-Y. She's a women's health coach and fertility awareness educator. We'll get into that conversation in a second. I want to give a shout out to our show sponsor, which is The Medicine. They produce a product called Immune Intel HCC. It's extremely well-researched to help with a variety of health issues. Um, and there are some very, very recent studies, in vivo studies, with women who have had HPV ongoing for two years, um, picked up with the the signaling detection swab by your OBGYN. They tell you, hey, most of it can go away, but now you might also be at risk for cervical cancer. There's a whole bunch of confusing stuff out there. Um, one of the creators of this product, Mimi Linquist, and I came up with this recent recently launched this program called Clear and Free, where we talk about a variety of health-related issues and how your immune system, nervous system, and your gut, and all of the environmental factors that may that you may be swimming in on a daily basis can contribute to persistent HPV and to ultimately the abnormal cells in your cervix that can lead for some women. Some women, fortunately, it's a small number to cervical cancer. Um, and uh, we put all of that into our program, Clear and Free. And this, this product, Immune Intel HCC, is so beneficial for these types of issues that we're including a bottle free, which is about a $90 value, um, when you enroll in Clear and Free. So if you need information on that, clearhpv.com is where you go. Um, but yeah, this product, it works by boosting up the T, the T cells and NK cells in your body that are responsible for scavenging precancerous cells, as well as um, really defending you from or helping you integrate the message of these little viral particles, these little viral messengers that we pick up on a daily basis, given that they outnumber us probably 150, if not more to one. Um, so by boosting these cells, boosting the interconnectivity within these uh, within your immune system, you're going to get a dec decreased systemic inflammation, which is already a sign. Like you're less puffy, you have more energy, you have better sleep, you wake up feeling more energized. That's already a sign you're on the right path. Uh, taking a bottle of this every three to four months is a part of my regimen that is a little bit costly, of course. But if you're dealing with HPV or abnormal PAPs or whatever, taking a bottle of this while working with Mimi and I through Clear and Free is going to provide you with a lifetime of reassurance that you don't have to actually worry about this. And you don't have to go broke on like $1,500 worth of supplements when you go to the naturopath who says they're a functional medicine practitioner, but they're just ordering labs and then dumping a bunch of supplements on you and getting a commission when you purchase. That's not an approach that I like to take because I don't think, first off, not everybody can afford that. I can't even afford that. Um, but frankly, it doesn't work. It's like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing if any of the if any of the strands stick. So clear and freeze where it's at. We include a bottle of Immune Intel and um, the in vivo trials uh, of women who have taken this product and seen their HPV disappear after like battling this for years and years and years is astounding, which is why I've kept on, them on as the only sponsor of the podcast for now. So if you want to try this out, um, don't not ready for clear and free, that's totally fine. Um, but remember that these supplements don't work in isolation. But if you do want to try this, you feel like you've got everything else dialed in, go to themedicine.com, T-H-E-M-E-D-I-C-I-N.com slash products. Use code BELOVED10 and you'll save yourself 10%. There's a reason I've kept them on as a sponsor because their product actually works. It's really, 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 really good, <laughs> if not great. Um, so go and check them out. Thank you, Immune Intel, for continuing to support the podcast here, which I work so hard on. Um, guys, the host of the Happily Hormonal Show 
um, fertility awareness educator, Barry on Barry is here. You're going to love this one. Um, if you have any questions or comments, please find her or myself on Instagram at Nathan Riley, OBGYN. Leave us some comments, ask some questions. If anything from the show touches you, share it with your friends. It's the only way to get this podcast out to the people that need to hear it. And um, and lastly, I'll say if you haven't left us a review on, on iTunes or uh, Apple Podcasts, they call it, or on Spotify, please do. It really, really helps more than you know. As the listener, whenever you tell Apple Podcasts that you're loving what we're doing with five stars, it boosts us up. It makes it more available on more platforms. It becomes more accessible. You wouldn't know that as a listener, but I'm telling you as a podcast host now for several years, it really matters. And if you've already done that, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Um, I really have fun doing this. And the fact that you spent an hour with me every week or so listening to one of these interviews really, really means a lot. So thank you. And um, here's my guest today, Barry on Barry, fertility awareness educator. sounds like that could be the name of your podcast like if you were like really into berries you could say call it like berry on berries and you could talk about a berry or something every single episode so i am i love berries and i feel like <laughs> i've finally grown into my name because i finally discovered the power of berries like i didn't know until probably three or four months ago and i'm like i finally grew into my name so why, why berries like well tell me about that i eat a lot of black and blueberries because i know yeah, they're good for the me antioxidant but like levels I mean, when you think about our antioxidants and what the body needs at a cellular level and the amount of stress we're all walking around with, Mm. like oxidative stress is just at an all time high, but we need our antioxidants to kind of pair with it. So the free radicals stay in check. Yeah, us men, you know, I know you do a lot of fertility work and mm-hmm. a lot of women are carrying this burden of getting pregnant and mm-hmm. their partners, meanwhile, have like, they've got low sperm counts, they've got low motility. Even if those come up, you still have to worry about the oxidative stress and fragmenting the DNA, um, which is going to ultimately be carried to the egg and then they 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 build a baby. So if you're not worrying about the impacts of oxidative stress, where I think we're missing a big part of that. So in your coaching if you were to say, hey, we're going to start doing a smoothie, what would you put in, in your daily smoothie? A cup of wild blueberries, mm. probably one and a half cups. If you want it like more liquidy and refreshing, I would go with like about one and a half cups of coconut water. But if you like something that's a little bit more thick and creamy, I would do probably mm. one and a half cups of whatever plant milk or raw milk. I know some people are on the raw milk thing. It hasn't hit me yet. Um, (laughs) I don't know if it will. It's just where I live and I have not gone out of my way to go get raw milk, but whatever milk and then maybe your protein source, uh, a protein powder, or maybe some more berries. I would keep it really simple at first. Yeah. Keep it really simple at first and then build into it. I think we often feel pressured to have a lot of supplementation, a lot of vitamins and minerals outside of what's actually in the earth, which is questionable now, but start with the basics and then build upon it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, for those who don't know you, Barian, that sounds delicious, by the way. I could go for a smoothie right now. Um, for those who don't know you, you are uh, very humble about your your sort of education and your training. And, and I think all of this comes through the lens of somebody who, um, you, who you've had your own health issues. You've had to go and deepen your own toolkit to take care of yourself. So you do some integrative health coaching. You are a functional nutritionist. You're also a fertility awareness educator. You kind of have the perfect combination of things in order to help people uh, probably just get their health in order. And of course, mm-hmm. getting pregnant is a reflection that you're you're doing okay from a hormonal and a health standpoint. So uh, so where do we begin? I, I guess I guess I'd love to um, eventually get into your, you know, six important hormones to consider. I, I think you did um, a really good job of that, but we can go a little bit deeper into that. But before we do, a lot of my listeners um, struggle to find practitioners in the space that look like them. And for those mm-hmm. who aren't watching on our YouTube channel, Barry, and you're black, you're a black woman. And mm-hmm. um, there are not too many black women who are doing this, t- this, uh, this depth of health coaching. So for the women who come to me and they, they're like, yeah, you know, they're maybe not super trustful of the system, or there's a bunch of like people who don't look like them who are giving them advice. You are a black woman. You are highly Mm -hmm. educated. You are, um, kind of like a, a a no nonsense kind of person from what I've gathered. Uh, how do we talk about race in these in this this conundrum that is getting healthy in a country where we have more resources than we even know what to do with i think the first step is to like i teach people in general whenever i'm navigating a tough conversation acknowledge what is we know there's racial disparity we know systemic racism exists accept it for what it is it's bullshit excuse my language but it is what it is but then take action in changing it, whether that looks like taking radical responsibility and taking your health and your healing into your own hands or advocating for yourself. I think a lot of people like to talk about problems, but not provide solution. And I'm a very solution oriented person, a little bit of a Virgo rising in there. So I have to have solutions. But I also think that, you know, when you acknowledge things, accept it, and then take action toward actually changing it, not just talking about changing it, but truly changing it, you feel better. And I think that's how we navigate the race discussion when it comes to our health. We know that Black women, for instance, Black people in general are dealing with an obesity epidemic, for instance. We know that to be true through and through in our space. What are we doing to change that? How are we improving it? I'm personally having Thanksgiving dinner at my house. I'm not cooking. My mom is, but she also (laughs) knows that that means she's going to be working with some different flour as opposed to what she's used to. She knows I like my fresh ingredients. So, you know, I'm in charge of the sides, except for the greens. So I think that's, you find a healthy balance, you navigate it with grace, but you accept it for what it is and you take action towards changing it. Yeah. You know, I, I think it'd be, uh, it's probably a good time to insert. And this goes for anybody of any color, any background, any, uh, what it doesn't matter what's in your bank accounts. There is, you can either show up as the victim of your circumstances or you can say, okay, I got these circumstances. Now what? 
And, um, you know, I shared with you quite a bit from this recent South Africa trip on your podcast recently, guys, if you haven't found Barian's podcast, it's like now one of the the staples of the programs that I'm going to be recommending to my clients and my community, um, the happily hormonal show, it's spelled a little funny because you use the phonetic, uh, uh, etymologic <laughs> spelling, um, H O R M O N E L show. So on your podcast, I was sharing that the South African women in these villages who have uh, initiated into the Sangoma traditions, which is what the white colonizers would have called witchcraft, I mean, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, they were pretty blunt with us about this sort of victim mentality that people have in the United States around whatever the, the thing is to be upset about, you know, du jour. And they, they specifically mentioned race, like you were gifted with the ability to engage with your community, to, to organize with the intellect, with beauty, with power, and you're not using any of it because you're stuck in this victim mentality. And yeah, all of this stuff that has happened to us, you can look at it like that, or has it happened in such a way that here we are and now we have the uh, sovereignty in our decision-making in order to make something better for ourselves. So the the first thing that I think is going to come to mind is um, well, l- let me also start by saying most people in medicine talk about race and they look at education, they look at income, and they, they, they correctly point out that a, a relatively well-off black woman has roughly the same statistics um, and a lot worse health outcomes in general than an uneducated, relatively disenfranchised white woman. Mm-hmm. So they'd say, you can talk about race all you want, but it's a matter of education and income and and you know, frankly, I don't actually think that that's sufficient. I actually think we need to consider what is the chronic stress through the lens of the black experience in the United States, but also even white people are, haven't really seemed to be willing to take accountability for their actions and the outcomes of those decisions. So from a health coaching standpoint, how do we get around this conversation of it needs to be, you know, you need to be going to the most expensive stores, buying the most expensive food. Otherwise, your health is going to fall apart because I'm not seeing that actually happen in reality anyways. Yeah. So I think the first thing, especially with like, I'm going to be honest with you, when I found out the new tax bracket situation that switched up that they're rolling out for like the 2024, I was like, bro, what are we doing? Like, (laughs) because I'm just thinking about the difference in the way you live when you make $40,000 a year versus how you live at 80,000 versus a hundred thousand and beyond. Right. Yeah. So if we're going to strip it down, let's put if I was talking to someone who was maybe making minimum wage and they were trying to get their hormones together, the first four things they would do, proper hydration. So actually making sure you are hydrating your body throughout the day, not just with water, but with other things that are going to nourish your body. Remineralization of the body. So making sure that you do have access to certain nutrients. So like vitamin D is one of those things where as black people, we don't get enough of it, right? But we all need it. Tell me about that. What, why, why is vitamin D such a problem within uh, the, the melanin population? Yeah, it, it comes back down to pigment, pigment and us not being able to absorb it. But it's also a hormone. So our body does make it, but we need the right things to help make it right. So let's say vitamin D, like if you could only buy one thing, it would be vitamin D. But if you can't buy that, 
look at the food that you are consuming, which takes me to my third point of nutrition optimization. And the fourth point being nervous system regulation. Now, Mm. this might seem very overarching. But the reason I say it like this is because I think we hyper fixate on getting to the gym and, you know, paying for that gym membership. And like, I heard someone say they pay a thousand or $200 a month for their gym membership. And I was like, whoa, that's wild. I was like mind blown because for me, yes, I have a gym membership, but also I'm in the best shape of my life when I go for a walk every single day and I hit the trail running and maybe do a few body weight exercises. That's free. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not going to cost me a lot when it comes to nutrition. Yes, it can certainly get very pricey and I'm not going to act like it doesn't. And I'm not going to ignore the fact that there are food deserts out there. There's so many, but I also know that if I say to somebody who maybe doesn't have a lot of time, I want you to Roy G. Biv your plate. They're going to be like Roy G. Biv, like the rainbow. Yes. I want you to do that. And I also want you to make sure you're getting high quality protein if you can. If you can. If you can't, I get it. If you're doing like a fried bologna sandwich, which I really understand that some people are in that position, but also add an apple. An apple is going to do a lot for your liver that you maybe don't even realize. Those old wives' tales, right? That an apple a day keeps the doctor away. These little things really are going to make the biggest difference. It's a foundation. So, Like I said, like if I were to strip it all down, I would go to those four areas and figure out one thing I can do every single day just to get me started, just to roll the ball. Because from there, you can kind of magnify everything. You can like hyper fixate if you want. You don't have to. I certainly don't. When I was at the start of my healing journey, recovering from burnout and, you know, HPA access dysregulation, like that whole (laughs) situation, you know, when I was starting there, I, I was paying so much money to my naturopath and then to have to buy all the supplements just to start my own healing education and realize I didn't have to go through all of that. I didn't have to fork over that much if I didn't want to. Yeah. I just said a lot. I know. No, it's brilliant. The way that you speak, you know, like I said, I, every time a person comes on the podcast, I actually ask them, what are three interviews you've done um, that you're really proud of? And I, through that, ended up finding more and more and more of your content. I was like, man, she has such a beautiful way of articulating some of these things. And I think it's really important to impress upon people that like we in the United States are way behind like, like to be healthy, you do not need to have every biohacking trick and every device in your house and to be only shopping at Whole Foods. In fact, for you, it might just be you need to drink a little bit more water and heck, maybe squeeze, even if it's a non-organic lemon, just squeeze some lemon into your water or add an apple. Go get a bushel mm-hmm. of like gala apples at the store for five bucks and just add one of those per day. This is not a matter of like suddenly overnight you're going to become perfect. And those health issues that you're suffering from took years, if not decades, to develop. It's going to take years or decades to get you back on track. But if you don't do anything, and and we can blame everybody else out there. If you can't add like a vegetable to your plate, there's very little that I can do for you. There's very, very little I can do if your hemoglobin A1C is 13. We're not even going to look at any of the other fancy stuff. 
until we cut out just some simple carbohydrates from your breakfast every morning. Um, it has to come by way of baby steps. And so if we came out guns blazing and said, here are the 10 things you have to do to be healthy, most of us are going to be lost. It just isn't that simple. But I um, don't want to do it. Yeah, to be honest with you. It. Nobody wants to like, you know, when they talk about neuroplasticity and like rewiring your brain and all those yeah. different things, yeah. you know what I've learned about myself? And I'm somebody who loves change. I hate change. I hate <laughs> change. Like in my head, I'm all about change, change my behavior, improve my life. They always say in order to get something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. But so many of us are not willing to do the things we've never done. And we're constantly ending up with results that we don't like. Well, if you truly want a different outcome, let this be your call to change what you're doing. And don't even think of it as like a bad change. Just do a little makeover, a little filter, a little zhuzh. Yeah, you're good to go. <laughs> a little just a little something. Um, when, uh, what do you think? Why do you think it is that so many people are so resistant to to change? We're going to get into the hormones, but weight loss is mm -hmm. actually a big part of this. Like, I don't really care how much you weigh. I want to make sure you're healthy. In fact, I would take a an overweight person based on their BMI who's regularly moving and eating as well as their money can allow them. I'd take them as a client, a home birth client, over somebody who's sort of genetically thin um, and they're spending four hours a day in the gym, so they're ripped, but they're never sleeping, and their their diet's kind of falling apart. This weight thing is tricky to talk about, but from a hormonal standpoint, being a little bit having extra fat, let's say extra adipose tissue, can lead to disruption, specifically in your estrogen and how that's metabolized. Um, how do you approach that conversation as a health as a coach? You know, I think we're all kind of coaches, but um, yeah. How do you approach the conversation around weight loss? Well, I, I'm very honest with my clients up front. And I think most people know when they come to me, they are not coming for a cakewalk. They're coming for the truth in, in the truth, right? That accountability, they're happy. So I think I'm very blessed that people don't come to me to be coddled. They come to yeah. me for transformation, you know? So I'm just direct about it. Like, listen, we need to get this weight in, in order. And the reason we want to do this is so that we're able to do that. So yeah. I like to explain if you want X outcome, let's say for instance, you have a really heavy menstrual bleed and you want a lighter bleed, but you're also overweight. I need us to work on managing your weight because that's going to help us decrease those estrogen levels. And as we're decreasing those estrogen levels, often what we'll find is your bleed is a little bit lighter. So I, I try to make it a little bit more sexy <laughs> in explaining why we are doing what we are doing, but also acknowledging that maybe you're not comfortable or maybe you're not ready yet. But when you are ready, I'll lead you to where you need to go. I'll guide you. I'll steps like I will link arms with people and explain to them that in order to get this result, we have to address this issue in, in my community. Like, it's so funny. I am the tiniest person in my family. You know, everyone always laughs at me. They're like, you have no butt. 
listen, not all of us can walk around like my mom. Like we all can't have that, but like, okay. But I'm also the only woman in my family specifically that was a collegiate athlete at one point in time that trained through certain things. So like, I didn't get the same curves and development. Like, you know, we got a little shape coming in. I'm almost 30, so we got a little hip spreading, but I also utilize that when I'm working with my clients to speak to me also acknowledging that I don't look like the same, uh, I don't have the same fat on my body as most women. So it's easy for my hormones to be in this happy state because I never had that excess fat. Um, and you know, that's how I approach it. I just tell them the truth. I think when you lead with integrity and in truth, you get amazing results through yeah. and through. You know, you, you brought up being a collegiate athlete. That means that you've been working, you were working pretty hard, you know, in middle school, even in high school, probably, mm -hmm. you know, at the track or were you a track and field competitor? What yeah, was your I, I ran my freshman year of college and soon after retired. I told <laughs> people I am retiring from, because it's taxing on the body. So yeah. I started track when I was about, I was in third grade. So however old you are in third grade, that's when we found out I was good. But when I was in middle school, I was also a basketball player, a volleyball player, a soccer player. I was always active, right? So when we first started talking, we were talking about four pillars. And I said, nervous system regulation, mm. moving your body every single day. I literally was moving nonstop. Nonstop. From the time, yeah. from the time I was like, what, eight? until the time I was 19, moving nonstop. Wow. So now the physique that I have at 29, oh, I'm really excited. I'm going to be 30 in February. Okay. I'm hey. excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. But the physique I have now is a result of how I lived when I was younger. It was a result of constantly moving my body. And notice I didn't say I was in the gym. I didn't lift a weight until I was 18 years old. And by the time I was lifting weights, I was like, what am I doing? Like so awkward in my body because yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Not yeah. only that, but I was on birth control, you know, like I was on hormonal birth control my freshman year of college and I was a collegiate athlete. So I wasn't even performing the way that I would have ideally liked to perform. Now, in hindsight, I still got the wind, you know, I'm still feeling good, but I also get to speak to why I look the way that I do too. You yeah. know, I, I like yeah. to explain why mm. my hormones are happy and it's mm. because I'm not focusing on, on the same things. And I'm also very intentional about living in sync with my cycle, which is like, that's really how I got started in all this. I don't think you know that, but yeah, that's no, where I, I don't. started. I don't, mm -hmm. but I, I can reflect as well. I mean, I was competing. I mean, competing. I, I don't even think as kids, you don't even feel like it's competition. You're like out there having fun and you're mm -hmm. running your ass off on the soccer field, on the lacrosse field. I used to play hockey. It was pretty constant. Then I started lifting weights and it was like I programmed myself in such a way that now I'm almost 40 and I still have the leanness I still have the abs and everything like it just is a part of way of I you know programming myself but on the other hand had I kept up with that you know like had you not retired your freshman year you may have actually run yourself into the ground so before we get into those seven important hormones tell me a little bit about maybe what the downsides of being addicted to this you know 
stay active lifestyle. Um, and, and maybe you could just look at it through the lens of some of the clients you've helped who are sort of addicted to exercise for the sake of trying to look like Barry and Barry. Um, yeah. but actually they're, they're harming themselves maybe from that HPA axis dysfunction standpoint. I think, you know, I'm one of the clients I'm thinking about is the one who lost her period, oh, yeah. then developed PCOS, then struggled for about two years to actually conceive. Mm. So not to be extreme, but when you live an overly active lifestyle, more often than not, what I see happen is one, women are losing their periods. And I'm going to speak to the girls or people with periods. Um, also, if I say the girls, please don't be offended, friends. Like, I'm just a girl's girl, okay? It's nothing personal. <laughs> it's just how I am. Um, but if you have a period, no, I'm speaking to you. So with that being said, it was the loss of the period because the testosterone, the androgens, the cortisol was so high that the body actually didn't feel safe, even though it was. That's right. But when yeah. you're overtraining and then couple in undernourishing, which is another thing that women have a tendency to do. It's either one of two extremes, you know, we either are undernourishing and not eating enough food or we're overeating, right? But there's no healthy balance in there. That led to the androgen-based PCOS. The androgen-based PCOS led to the irregular periods, which led to the issues with actually consuming. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happens when you're overactive. Now there's a slew of other things, but you know, I'm just, I'm thinking about one client in particular and her baby girl is the most beautiful little thing I have ever seen. And I'm so happy she has her daughter now, but just thinking about her story, I'm like, gosh, cause she thought she was doing everything right. She's like, Barry, I'm doing high intensity interval training every single day. I don't know what's going on with my body. I got diagnosed with PCOS. I don't know what to do. I don't want to be on birth control. Uh, 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 okay. It's a lot. Yeah. Do you feel anxious? Because I feel anxious listening to her talk. You know, like imagine how you feel listening that's to right. this. That's very high energy. So that's just throwing out hormonal imbalance. Um, and, you know, there you have it. That's what I see when people are overactive or addicted to the active lifestyle. Yeah, I have a good friend who is maybe 300 pounds. Before I met him, you know, he was in Wall Street. He's actually a verifiable billionaire right now. And he started working with a personal trainer and lost a lot of weight real fast. He became obsessed with exercise. Like he was in New York City and he would climb 60 floors to get to his job in the morning, you know, and great. Like he lost all the weight. But then again, he went from as a friend of mine, actually another coach, Paul Check, he put it, you went from soggy bread to burnt toast. And it's that somewhere in the middle, that balance that really leads to real harmony, like real holistic harmony, whereby you actually feel well, you perform well, you're speaking to others well, you're able to connect because you're allowing you know, yourself to rest and recover to match this, this tremendous um, um, stress that you're putting on your body in order to make it bigger, stronger, faster. So when we even talk about weight, I think it's really critical for people to remember. And, and actually, I'll have clients who come to me where I'm like, okay, you're overweight. I'm going to tell you to stop exercising for three months. And I want you to just sleep. And mm -hmm. once we get you sleeping, now we're getting some better balance between cortisol and insulin and your thyroid and your gonads. Everything's starting to work now. It's it's wants to get it wants to get back there. 
But if you're already in a state of inflammation and you're, you're hypercortisolemic, meaning you're pushing your adrenals to go, go, go all the time, exercising actually is not going to do you any, any good. It's actually going to potentially lead to more harm. So it's this, this is where the nuance of an experienced health coach like you comes into play. And I'm really, really grateful that we're having this conversation because it's not just go out there and get it. You're not a 26-year-old you know, lean six foot one guy running around in the woods right now, only eating goji berries and grass fed bone marrow. Like you might actually have a family, you might have other responsibilities. If you do nothing else, sleep of course is critical. And when you're feeling motivated and rested and your blood sugars are better under control, that's whenever you're, even if you're using an HRV monitor, that's whenever your body's going to feel like I'm ready to go and push it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this obsession, right, with exercise, as if exercising is the 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 sort of um, ho- the holy grail, you know. And uh, I think it must be balanced with other forms of nourishment. For sure, you know, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think one of the things I've recently leaned into, especially over the summer, is I was very fascinated. Are you familiar with the Blue Zones? Yeah, yeah. Dan Butner wrote that book. Yeah. He's got a show now. Yeah, I love his work so much, but I found it so interesting that the people who were living the longest in the world were enjoying their wine Mm -hmm. and like gardening, farming. (laughs) And then I looked over at, you know, specifically, I was like, Sardinia, okay, let's look at them. We love that. And then I was like, but why am I so connected to like Asian culture and like Asian inspired food? What is it about that? And then I'm like, oh, I found another blue zone. Okay, what are these people doing? Yeah. They're enjoying community and farming their land. So you mean to tell me that longevity (laughs) lies in community, nourishment, and movement? And, you know, I I can speak to this from a very, uh, it kind of seems like very simple as I'm saying this, but... You know, after years of studying and going through these certification programs and listening to this person and studying under that person, after all of this time, you mean to tell me I just have to eat right, move my body, rest well, basically. That's it. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah. But there's like, but when you think about our culture right here in America, there's no money in that. Yeah. And so I think that that's also tainted the way in which people approach weight loss. Like, uh, what is the name of that fad thing people are obsessed with right now? Oh, Ozempic. Is that what it is? Ozempic. Oh, Ozempic. Yeah, it's a medication, very expensive medication for weight loss. It's insane. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> all I know is the name of it made me uncomfortable. And then, like, I'm one of those people where, like, if you can't pronounce it, maybe stay away from it a little bit, just like a little bit. Um, But when I saw how many people were like obsessed with in these weight loss transformations, and then a few months later, it was like, this is being banned, or they're getting rid of this. And I'm like, y'all, all all y'all had to do was eat, move and rest. We didn't even have to go that deep with it. Like, you could have saved a few thousand dollars. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. So yeah, I, I think that the weight part of discussion is very difficult for people to talk about. And also women specifically don't understand the relationship between estrogen and cortisol in weight gain. And so a lot of women are not in their feminine. They're very like in their masculine. Yeah. 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 Anxiety. 
control cortisol, Mm. estrogen imbalance. Mm. And so I have to kind of think about who I'm talking to and the best way to deliver things sometimes where I'm like, okay, I know you want this or I know you're feeling that, but I need you to understand your physiology really quick. So here's your lesson in physiology. Now that we've got that, this is what we can do. What do you want to do? And just presenting it like that, people seem to be so open to it. They're like, oh, I feel safe now. And if, as long as you feel safe in your body, I can do my job in supporting you on your journey. Yeah. 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 We have so many things working against us that have nothing to do with diet and movement and everything else. There's these stories we tell ourselves, you know, that really kind of set a a very shaky foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I wish I looked like that person or I wish I was this, this or that. It's like, sometimes you just got to like own what you've got and like, like, and then, and then establish what is your goal. If your goal is to live the longest, being in the CrossFit gym for, you know, 10 hours a week and on all these supplements and all this other stuff is the longest. So let's just be very clear, bigger, stronger, and faster than your neighbor. Great. That's going to be a completely different conversation. If you want to be uh, less anxious and be more present and have more time, then maybe we're not spending more time in the gym and we're actually focusing on um, some breathing and nervous system balancing. Mm. Yeah, why don't you just take this for however you want to present it without us going too much into the weeds? Listen, I'm really good at just scratching a surface. Like I'll scratch the itch (laughs) of hormonal communication, but I think the first place to start is to clarify what hormones are, okay? We know they're there, but what are they really? They're the chemical messengers of the body. They're going to tell your body how to work and twerk at the end of the day. Men have hormones too. I don't know why men don't think they have (laughs) hormones, but you have hormones too, okay? So I think that's important to say. The best way to think of hormones and the hormones I'll be sharing is really as a language. And once you can understand the language of hormones, you can pretty much do whatever you need to do in whatever direction. So I would, I am not the person who created this and I really wish I could remember this woman's name, but there's this concept called hormonal hierarchy where when we're dealing with these seven specific hormones, cortisol, insulin, progesterone, testosterone, um, did I say estrogen yet? No, I don't think I said estrogen. I don't think so. Estrogen, your thyroid hormone, and then your melatonin. There's like levels to it. Some people like to kind of shape it like a pyramid this way, but I like to shape it this way. Like an upside down triangle. Upside down pyramid. Okay. Because for me, when it comes to balancing, quote unquote, I don't really like the concept of balancing hormones because they don't actually balance like at all. But if you're looking at it from this lens of cortisol and insulin are like right next to each other. And then we have our next layer of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. And there's some pretty important hormones that are not I'm not mentioning right now, just kind of the big ones. Then you have your thyroid hormones. Then you have your melatonin. You can then think about how to balance these. We start with melatonin. We start with sleep. 
Mm, go figure. <laughs> okay. And then we go to our thyroid hormones, our T3 and our T4. So now we're looking at our metabolic hormones and our metabolic health. But hey, maybe it's as simple as making sure I'm eating the right foods in the right amounts and feeling really energized throughout my day. Then you have your estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, which for me, they're all on the same playing field. I don't put one above another. Estrogen does like to act out, but so does testosterone. And both of those, if they're not in check, can deplete your progesterone levels. So I put them all on the same playing field. And then we have your cortisol and your insulin. Now your cortisol and your insulin, cortisol is the HBIC. Insulin is like her lady in waiting. <laughs> I have to, I'm a very visual person. Now, for those of you who are not visual and you're like, no, I need like the particulars, right? So I want you to think of, I mean, yes, cortisol is our stress hormone, but another way to really think of cortisol is just straight up your fight or flight response more than anything. (laughs) It keeps you alive and we, we keep it there. I don't want to go any further than that because we can talk about the negative feedback loop and blah, blah, blah. That's too much. So cortisol. Insulin is your hormone that is going to regulate your blood sugar levels. A lot of women who are dealing with hormonal imbalance also have an insulin resistance and a sensitivity. So what we want to be doing is making sure we're regulating our blood sugar levels and not eating things that are super high in sugar. And like, I mean, processed sugar. So cortisol, insulin. Then is your estrogen, your testosterone, and your progesterone. Estrogen, she's our emotion. She's how we feel good. She is literally, why we have a shape, ladies? Like why we're built different, okay? But she's also the reason why sometimes when she's not in check, our skin is breaking out. Mm. why our periods can be heavier than we would actually like them to be, why they're lasting longer than we want them to last. Your progesterone, girl, that's your sexy hormone, okay? It is what makes you feel very relaxed when we have enough of it. But a lot of women are estrogen dominant and progesterone almost deficient, basically, where there's no progesterone left because cortisol, when she's not in check, is utilizing up the progesterone and it's increasing your estrogen and using that, right? And then testosterone. Yes, we know testosterone as like the man hormone and we love testosterone if we're men, but as women, we don't want too much of it. But we also need your testosterone for your libido for your brain health, your cognitive health, which is a big part of your hormones, which blows my mind. People don't talk about that enough, but I'm not a brain surgeon. And then your T3, your T4. Your thyroid hormones are something that I always struggle to talk about because people don't like my take on your thyroid hormones and your like hypo hyperthyroidism i think it's just because i'm super tiny people don't want to hear what i have to say about that <laughs> um I, I think that like if i were somebody that had this massive weight loss transformation people would listen to me yeah. more when i talk yeah. about that but because i don't have you can't relate you're right but also 
it's metabolism, it's your energy, it's your temperature and the way your body really regulates itself and its homeostasis. And then we have our melatonin, which is our sleep and our wake cycle hormone. And what I love about melatonin is the fact that it is underrated. It's the fact that people don't think about getting sleep. But when I tell you, go take a nap, you feel so much better. Why do you think we have kids on a sleep schedule? Yeah. Well, it's not marketable, of course, right? Because it's like, I mean, frankly, from endometriosis to fertility issues to injuries to God knows what, if you go home and you sleep nine hours for a week, you're not even going to want to hire me anymore because you're going to feel like everything got better. But it's not like, like it's free, guys. Just go and go and do it. I, I don't care what it takes. Get more sleep. And it might mean you sleep in a different room from your partner for just a week and just see how you feel. If I that, do. Like, yeah, well, that's, that's because you're I, responsible. <laughs> well, so when women are in their late luteal phase leading to their bleed, right? We know for a fact that our uh, basal body temperatures increased. It's just a little science, right? Yeah. We know that to be true, but also we get really hot at times when our hormones aren't balanced. And then our partners being in bed with us, like the tossing, the turning, the restless leg syndrome, like, bro, if you don't go away. So sometimes I will actually just look at my boyfriend and be like, hey, babe, I'm going to go sleep in another room. Nothing against you. My sleep is sacred. And that's like a conversation in my house. And he's just like, let me look at your app. So he already knows where I'm at in my cycle. (laughs) Like he he knows, but I think it's important that other people know it's okay to value your sleep and your sleep. So many problems are solved when we sleep. We have a three-year-old where I can always tell when it's nap time because her like behavior gets very unruly and she never wants to go down for her nap now. But every day at about 1230, when we have her, I'm like, Hey, sweetie, it's time for your nap. You sure? Yeah, you're going to feel yeah. so much better when you wake <laughs> up. She gets up from her nap and I'm like, my baby's back. Like, yay. Like, I like yeah. you. And like, yeah. I, I communicate that to her so she understands the importance at an early age of actually getting deep sleep or yeah. feeling well rested. How do you, uh, what am I trying to ask here? Well, let's actually, in order to give some context for what I'm going to say, let's go to the fertility awareness part of what you do. Um, Yeah. Women are gifted to steal from Lisa Hendricks and Jack's book, The Fifth Vital Sign. You guys are gifted with 13, roughly 13 bleeds per year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've done, we have ad nauseum talked about the menstrual cycle on the podcast, but guys... Barian mentioned the luteal phase. That's the part between the ovulation and bleeding. And then you've got menstruation. And then you've got your follicular phase, which is between bleeding and ovulating. And this thing just keeps going as long as you're healthy until you, the axis, these feedback loops kind of stop doing that. And that's what we call menopause, right? So that's a gross over oversimplification. But um, of all of the techniques that people use, you know, they go with the LH strips, which by the way, guys, it's a waste of your money. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> do the basal body temperature and cervical flow 
fluid. That's actually between those two, I get a really, really good handle and maybe some other like symptomatic things for what's happening in your cycle. But man, empowering somebody with the gift of learning how to chart these types of things is really, really important. And, um, and they suddenly like don't really need you anymore, which for me is a great gift. Like you now know everything you need to know about your cycle and what we can do to modify it using Kayla Osterhoff's program. Her biorhythm is really, really lovely for that, like how to eat and how to sleep and maybe your, your activity levels during different phases. But one thing that keeps coming up for me that I haven't found a consistent way of really addressing is okay. let's say that a person is tracking their cervical fluid, right? They're doing all the things that you want them to do, but they're not seeing the egg white consistency. Yeah. They might even still be ovulating, perhaps. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit hard to say sometimes, but let's say that they're getting that rise in basal body temperature just after the egg is released. We know they're ovulating, but for some reason, their cervical mucus just isn't a, a um, consistently consistent with egg whites. How do you approach that as a fertility awareness educator? Because this is coming up a lot for me, and I'm not so, so sure if it's just that maybe they're calling it something else, but it actually is egg white. But I do believe some people are not seeing the changes to their cervical mucus. Can you educate me and maybe other people listening would be, would be um, I don't know, maybe they would be able to, to help clarify this a little bit for themselves. It's Nathan. Sorry for this brief interruption, but I got to tell you about a new offering that I'm going to be making available this fall. You've heard about the Born Free Method. That's our comprehensive pregnancy and postpartum program. That includes 12 months of weekly calls, 100 plus video modules, tons of citations around pregnancy and postpartum. Well, Born Free is an umbrella under which there's going to be a lot of other courses. And the second course in this anthology is called Clear and Free, Your Solution to Persistent HPV. It's a collaborative effort between me and Mimi Lindquist of the Medicine Podcast. She um, is a relative expert in, uh, I say relative because I don't consider anybody a full expert in anything, but Mimi has gone deep into human papillomyositis virus and some of the ways that we can use lifestyle to augment the immune system in hopes that your routine screening for HPV or your routine pap smears are going to come up negative and clear so you can go another three to five years and not even think about it until your next um, appointment whereby hopefully you'll screen negative again. So the typical path that many women experience of all ages in their OBGYN clinic is, hey, you're due for a pap smear and we're going to test for HPV as well. If one of those comes back abnormal, your OBGYN is going to say, oh, darn it, it's abnormal. Why don't you come back for a repeat screening in six months or 12 months? And this process continues, right, until you end up with either a progression of abnormal cells in the cervix caught on pap smear or a persistence of human papillomavirus, meaning your body has not been able to integrate the message of this virus, right? Remember, viruses are not living things. So in the meantime, your OBGYN or your midwife or nurse practitioner hasn't given you any tools in order to help support your immune system through diet, through movement, through sleep, through stress management, through hydration, through all of those modifiable lifestyle factors so that you can be sure that if you had an HPV um, positive screen initially, that the next time it's going to be negative. Mm-hmm. Now, the other part of that conversation, of course, is, hey, I got the HPV vaccine. Aren't I 
safe now? Well, the problem with Gardasil 9, which is the primary vaccine that is offered to young men and women as early as age nine, has not been demonstrated to be either effective at preventing cervical cancer nor safe because of the aluminum adjuvants and everything else. So there's a lot of controversy around HPV and cervical cancer and even cervical cancer screening methods along with this vaccine. What do I do? Should I get it? Should I not get it? Should my little girls get this vaccine? And so Given the sort of swirling <laughs> pool of information and misinformation out there, I went deep as well. And Mimi and I teamed up in order to clarify for everybody out there the realities around what HPV and cervical cancer screening looks like, what can be done while you're waiting for your follow-ups in order to support your immune system to integrate the message of that virus and avoid any abnormal cells developing and hopefully avoid painful biopsies or even worse, leap procedures, cold knife comb procedures, and of course, worst case scenario, cervical cancer. There's so much that's in your power. Your doctors, your practitioners probably aren't maybe edu educated or incentivized to share all of that information, but we're going to do that through this course, as well as all of the reality realities around vaccines, especially Gardasil 9. Um, we look at data from the United States and elsewhere in the world. We speak to um, attorneys who are litigating on this topic around Gardasil 9. What you can expect from the course is around 90 lessons, self-guided and we're going to also offer monthly calls for six months after you enroll with me and Mimi, where we're going to be able to answer all of your questions and provide you with that support that perhaps you aren't getting from the healthcare professionals that you've entrusted um, your, your cervical cancer screening and your well woman care. So we get into HPV, we get into cervical cancer screening, we get into the immune system, vaccines, viruses. It's everything you've wanted to know about any of those topics. Go to the link in the show notes and you'll find Find your way to book an enrollment call and we'll get you enrolled right there. We're going to be enrolling in October. I hope to see you there. First, I love Lisa Hendricks and Jack. I got to interview her for my podcast yeah. like years ago. Phenomenal, like an encyclopedia. Um, oh, but progesterone would be like the first thing I'm thinking of. And okay. so, you know, often when you're not getting the results that you want, when it comes to seeing the clear raw egg white, it's a progesterone deficiency, in my opinion, what I've noticed. A lot of other people can notice other things. What I've noticed is when I tell my clients, hey, I want you to start increasing your progesterone increasing food intake, and then I give them a list, they're more often than not seeing changes within one to two cycles. More often it's two cycles, and that's just because of how long it takes to right. make the egg. Right, so right. I would go first to that. The next thing I would do is like, also consider how long they've been off of hormonal birth control if they were ever on it. Mm. And then also factor in what's changed in their life. Yeah. So I have clients who will come to me and say like, okay, I'm struggling. This is what's happened. And before they go any further, I say, how's your life changed in the last 90 days? Because that will tell me exactly what I need to look for. 
the life change within 90 days because the period I experienced today is a result of my life 90 days ago. That's right. It's mm. the same thing. Also, if you can hear my puppy screaming, he's having a tantrum, just so you know. <laughs> That's um, okay. Okay, I don't know if you can hear him or not. But, I heard like a little uh, squeak, but I, I don't know if we heard him in his full glory. <laughs> it's fine. He's going to keep squeaking. He's He'll be okay. Um, but that is where I would go first is progesterone and really trying to increase those progesterone levels naturally um, and supporting it. And I'm actually, I just pulled up the document on my computer. I'm going to rattle this off. So everybody, get your phone out because I am an educator, okay? <laughs> Let's get into this. Avocado, salmon, coconut, Brazil nuts, eggs, lentils, spinach, pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds, and turmeric. That is the list that I give to my clients. I'm going to recommend that to anybody. If you have an allergy and intolerance, please do yourself a favor and Google alternatives. Thank you for coming to yeah. my TED Talk. <laughs> um, you mentioned two seeds there. So let's let's yeah. actually kind of pivot a little bit. Um, seed cycling. Why I does love it. this work? You know, everybody's afraid of seed oils and everything. And I'm like, you got to, we got to get you on seed cycling. Go to this company, get these, you know, tablespoon of this, tablespoon of that. Like you're going to be doing this every cycle until we see some changes, some improvements. Why does this work so well? Like what's your thought as a functional nutritionist? You know, here's the thing. Research will say it's pseudoscience. Women will say it's real. So who do we follow? The science or the women? I'm going to go with the uh, girls. I'm going to go with the women, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with the girls because the last time we listened to science, there was a lot of kerfuffles happening and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. But I think yeah. the reason it works so well is because the different nutrients in the seeds are reacting and responding to our hormone levels. That's what it always comes down to. Um, there is a girl, her name, she's a registered dietitian. Her name is Kate Morton. She created Fungit Wellness, which is a seed cycling blend. And as a registered dietitian, she knows a lot more about why it works when it comes to the lignans and or whatever they're called. It's just the fact that you are fueling essentially these hormones and the body is responding to that. Yeah, Kate has been on the show. She's actually oh a, a, a breath of fresh air. She really is. She um, that's my girl. Makes, yeah, she makes it very pragmatic. Like it's it's very much like, hey, listen, just do these these things. We we got all the other nutrition coming, and let's do these two things. And I've actually seen some pretty remarkable transformations for people. Um, cycles becoming a little bit more regular, a little bit less spotting and a little bit less discharge at the end. So there's something mm -hmm. happening there related to progesterone. They're starting to see a more obvious change in their basal body temperature. They're starting to notice their breasts are being a little, they're becoming a little more tender around ovulation, like some really interesting things that are directly, um, in, like you said, in two or three cycles, there it's like a direct observation that something I'm doing is working. And sometimes that little victory lap is actually what people need in order to continue going to some of the more um, advanced things. So we'll put a link to Funkit Wellness. Um, Kate, if you're listening, shout outs. You've got some fans over you. here. We love you. Um, okay, other question. And maybe we'll, we'll wrap up with this one. Endometriosis is uh, uh, everywhere. And yet we're not seeing it in a lot of uh, even impoverished, uh, sort of underdeveloped uh, as the maybe who would describe them nations, including in South Africa. Uh, this, this endometriosis thing seems uniquely Western. Um, 
without asking you a, a vague question where you're going to inevitably fall into some sort of hole I've created for you um, in asking what you think is there, uh, what, what do you think is causing it? Maybe you can share with me how do you, so a person comes to you, they've had, let's say, even laparoscopically diagnosed endometriosis, a big pelvis filled with adhesions. How do you counsel them around maybe how to eat, uh, like just counsel them in general as a health coach as to what they might do before they go and, and go to the OBGYN clinic who convinces them to get a, you know, a hysterectomy and all this other stuff, or they go on long-term high-dose oral contraception, um, which might maybe we'll wrap up with oral contraception because that I think fucks a lot of people up and I don't think that we're doing enough of a, a, a great job anyways of counseling around it. So what do you do for somebody who has this chronic pelvic pain, especially with their periods? The first thing that I do before I even talk to them is I kind of figure out where their pain is yeah. in terms of like on a scale, basically, because there's certain people who respond really well to the lifestyle adjustments that I suggest. And there are some people who love the idea, but they're in so much pain that they actually work against the lifestyle. And that often happens to be the people who will not consider being off of oral contraception. And I have to respect that. So yeah. like, it, it's one of those things where it's like, this is your choice and I'm going to respect that choice, but also I am not for you because my zone of genius is are the people who are willing to transition off of right. hormonal birth control and into the natural lifestyle. Now, with that being said, the next thing I do is I immediately recommend a PMS and period support supplement called Semaine. Um, I love Lar, Kath, and Matt. These are the people who created Semaine. How do you spell and that, Semaine, for people listening? S E M A. I-N-E, Simane, PMS and Period Support Supplement. I wish I had some sitting next to me. I have all my supplements organized now. Um, but they created a phenomenal anti-inflammatory supplement that's actually clinically proven to work. And wow. two of the three founders... Uh, Lar and Kath actually have endometriosis and Matt is Lar's husband who is a wizard. He is an actual scientist and so he created this incredible blend and it actually helps decrease the pain. That is the second thing I do. You know, once I know you're okay uh, adjusting the lifestyle, I then say, please take this because that helps to mitigate pain in the moment. Yeah. From there... We target nutrition. From there, we target stress. I don't even get into the movement portion because I understand that often when you are in chronic pain, your stress levels are going to be much higher because you're stressed about your pain. So I have to figure out what you're doing in your life and how that's going to help you. When it comes to nutrition, pretty much everybody's on an anti-inflammatory diet across the board, and that's because inflammation makes your pain worse. We don't want to feed anything and make things worse, right? And I also love to make sure people are on a really good probiotic. Um, I recommend the seed probiotic. I don't know what you recommend, but it's a pre and probiotic that I've just found works incredibly well. Yeah. And so that is what I recommend to people on endometriosis. Like, because with endo, 
I want people to live aligned with their menstrual cycle. But if your cycle is coming way more frequently and it's way heavier, you're not going through the phases of the cycle with me. What you want is your pain alleviated and I can respect that. Once we've alleviated the pain or figured out how to manage it, then we get into those lifestyle changes and adjustments. And I've also noticed that trauma, I'm very trauma informed. And so with that training, I've also learned that a lot of my clients have to do work deeper than just the health nutrition, fitness, movement, hormone stuff that I do. And so I like to refer them to whoever is going to help them get through their trauma because sometimes that can be triggering and I can't always be the person to do everything. So I like to make sure that they are getting support with the trauma that often they're holding in the womb space um, and go from there. Does that answer your question? Yeah, well, the beautiful part about your response is that there's not a one-size-fits-all thing. People reach out to me on Instagram all the time, and they're like, hey, what's a natural remedy for this? Because that's what they think holistic health is. And um, it is natural, yeah, but there's actually far more to this. It's far more complex, including what you mentioned, this, what's the story you're bringing into this conversation? I actually had recently had a client who's endometriosis. Um, so she's a dancer, like she had danced her whole life. She does salsa, she does contemporary, she does jazz. And she's now in her 30s. They want to get pregnant in the future, but she's developed over the past year, year and a half, this horrific, you know, menstrual, menstrual um, pain around the menstrual cycle, let's say. It's not all the time. It's not even just like with intercourse or with defecation, which is kind of common for some of the more advanced endometriosis cases. She's like, man, this is new to me. I've had pretty clean, clean bill of health. And now suddenly I'm like, I'm like really in a lot of pain around my periods. And I asked her like, what changed a year and a half ago. She was like, well, I stopped dancing. And I was like, damn, like that's a part of this as well. In fact, actually not identifying and not feeling yourself so much. It's almost like this endometriosis rages out of nowhere, like demanding some attention. And so um, there's so many non-physical things that go into play. But also Mm -hmm. what I want to comment on is the acute treatment of something similar to like HPV or abnormal paps. Let's get you on immune intel. Let's get that immune system thing figured out. And then let's start looking at some of the lasting effects. That's why our, our clear and free program has been so successful. And that's really kind of what we want to honor is that there is an acute part of this to make sure you're at least comfortable enough to engage with other changes and fixing this by putting you on birth control or something is not a fix at all. It's just silencing the symptoms. So, um, what'd you say? I said birth control bullshit. Um, well, you know, that's the last topic we're going to get into, but go ahead. I, I want to. Before we know. roll into that, I do want to yeah. say something. If you are currently somebody dealing with endometriosis and you have had a massive life change where it's impacting how you personally feel, like your sense of personal power, your sense of purpose, it'd be very interesting for you to do some work on that because one of the things I've learned in the immense amount of trial and error, but studying like constant learning is our chakra systems. Mm. Whatever is happening at this energetic level is physically manifesting itself. And I know people love to roll their eyes when there's people like me talking like this, but y'all, 
Hear Mm. me when I say this. Any client that I have had, we have had to work on the root, the sacral, and the solar plexus chakras. Doing work there (laughs) has changed people's periods. When I personally accepted myself, my purpose, my calling, and then actually began to work in it instead of hiding it, my gift made room for me and my period was less painful. I can't make this up, okay? And I think we need to hear somebody say that, that looks like me, but also is talking to someone like you. I think we need to hear somebody say that because it's like, you don't hear it enough. It's not a woo-woo thing. Traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, holistic health and wellness, bioregulatory, all of these things. This is not a game. If if you see chakra systems in one practice, I can almost guarantee you're going to see them in another ancient medicine practice or wellness practice. So in traditional Chinese medicine, we're talking meridians, right? Yeah. We're talking acupuncture, all those things. That's the chakra system. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I won't. I just think that if you still can't figure it out, you still don't have answers, work with those lower chakras and get in your body, feel safe in your body, heal that trauma, find your sense of purpose again, and then boom you're going to start seeing different results. Now on to birth control, right? Yeah, That's well, where you want to go. <laughs> well, we, we will. Yeah, we will. Um, and actually, this is tied into the birth control conversation. There is a number of more recent data that's coming out that actually confirms or validates an observation that I had made when I was in my OBGYN residency training, which was that women with endometriosis also tend to have an autoimmune condition. And I started wondering, is endometriosis an autoimmune condition? This is an association, but what is it? And it all seems to be related to some some degree of immune dysregulation. So what's really, really interesting about that is number one, that means we can fix it without Mm -hmm. suppressing your ovaries and putting you in iatrogenic menopause. The other then question is, if it took years to develop this, it's going to also take some time to get you back in order. But already, if endometriosis is developing, there's also this question around like, why is the body turning on itself, right? It can't just be a deficiency in certain nutrients and everything else. Maybe there's actually more to it, which is exactly what you're talking about. So this woman who isn't dancing anymore, um, I, I, it became clear to me. I was just asking her some like little questions here and there. And she was like, there was a sense that she had actually lost her identity mm-hmm. and because she identified so closely with being a dancer and now she was in a new relationship as well. And she didn't have time for dancing anymore. So not only is she not feeling herself, which is what is required for you to dance in the way that she dances or really for anybody to dance like us white people, like we don't really know how to dance because we're not willing to feel the music. Is that why y'all do that? Like, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah, that's right. That's, that's it. Like we just, we don't bend our knees. We just kind of bounce around, you know, no bend of the knees, no move of the shoulders. Yeah. It's really, uh, it's really rigid right? Because we don't let ourselves feel, we don't let ourselves groove and open and all of this. And um, so she wasn't doing that anymore. And my suggestion to her was, don't pay me to work with me. Let's just get you dancing again. And let's start expressing again. There's our second chakra. Let's start re-identifying because right now you're kind of lost and your immune system is is no longer able to distinguish friend from foe. And that's why it's attacking Mm -hmm. you. 
So there's plenty more elements that we can unpack here. And in this conversation around endometriosis, I'm so grateful that we're going beyond, let's just suppress the ovaries, which is the topic of our next, the next topic of our conversation. Why do you say bull, uh, birth control is bullshit? You're not a feminist, I guess. You, you don't care about the, uh, the, the many waves of women who have come forth and provided us with reproductive justice through birth control. How dare you? So let me, before I even get started, <laughs> let me even go off on this tangent. Let me be very clear. My intention is to always in, inform people rather than offend them, but I do not tiptoe around the truth. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the title of feminist is very interesting nowadays, <laughs> but I am through and through a girl's girl. I am 100% woman. Like, you know, Shania Twain, she's like, man, I feel like a woman. That is me. Okay. To you. <laughs> but I am also Shaka Khan, where I'm every woman, right? So I am so upset with the people who say that birth control is liberation. First wave, second wave, third wave feminism. Um, I got some words for the people in charge. Like, come sit down and talk to me. Make it make sense because sexual liberation for women does not begin with contraception. Right. It actually begins with informed and empowered education. And there are so many women running around taking hormonal birth control of any kind to manage period problems. When really what we need to do as a society is to call forth greater teachers and greater research and education around the menstrual cycle to answer a lot of these questions. That's right. I was 24 when I found out. Actually, I was 25 when I found out I had a fertile window. I thought I was fertile all month. 25. I am now 29 and I will not shut up about the phases of the menstrual cycle and ovulation and how you need to make sure that you're exercising a lot of caution during this five days prior to ovulation because that is sperm can live in your body for up to five days and that's why accidental pregnancies happen nobody told us about this and then if we're trying to clear our skin why are we also giving people birth control if you want to clear your skin let's start with your gut and get you some yeah. better products make it make sense like mm. Nathan, don't do that. Like, don't <laughs> get me started, okay? It's an uncontrolled science experiment. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to hear people like me say that because it yeah. then conflicts with what they, they believe to be true about Black women, first and foremost. And secondly, it's like, well, why would people do this to us? For their own agenda. I get no joy. I don't get a kickback from teaching people the truth. Really, I really don't. Like, right, right. this is an act of service. Do I charge for certain services? Yeah, when you ask me to do more work, of course, that's my time, that's my energy. But to straight up just teach you about your menstrual cycle and how to either prevent or promote birth, that is a basic right that every woman should have. And mm. I am definitely the person who, there's a playlist on my TikTok literally dedicated to birth control. There's an Instagram highlight dedicated to birth control where you hear me talk about these statistics and the negative correlation, but also the positive ones. I'm still looking for a lot of positives in hormonal birth control, if I'm being honest, still looking for them. Because 
I have clear skin. I'm not on hormonal birth control. I have pain-free periods. I'm not on birth control. I've never once been pregnant. Mm. Clearly, clearly something is off with what we are being taught and what we're being conditioned to believe. And I just, you know, me and pharma, we have, we, we're not on the same page all the time. I'll leave it at that. Sorry. I needed to get that off my chest. I think it's a hate-hate <laughs> relationship. Let's not say all the time. Let's say, or let's not say some of the time. I, I'd say I all, really, all the time. I believe that there's a place for Western medicine. And do not get me wrong. I do believe that it has its place, but I believe we need to explore true healing and wholeness before we're just teaching people to live with a condition. Living with a condition is one of the things that makes me gag because mm. in the West, we are the only society that promotes living with a condition. Like people will look at me like I'm weird because I'm eating kale, but not think that it's weird that they're drinking a shake that literally mm. is man-made. It's from mm. a lab. Right. <laughs> and then you wonder why your body can't do certain things. Like like I said, Nathan, don't get me started. Don't get me started. You already got me started. Well, like I said. I, like I did. I got you started. Yeah, intentionally. You're like, man, I should have let him with this. Well, just, maybe. Yeah. I, yeah, go it's ahead. It's frustrating. Go ahead. Yeah. It's just so frustrating because, you know, I was not taught about my menstrual cycle. I was put on hormonal birth control because of my mom's trauma. I've got three older brothers. My mom has four kids, three baby daddies. And I'm going to say it just like my mom would say it. So I'm going to be very honest with you, right? My mom was looking for her purpose and it was to be a mother. It was to birth us. I'm the favorite in case anybody is wondering. I'm the golden <laughs> child, at you least are. in my head. My mom would never say that, but I'm going to say it for her. Um, but in hindsight, when I think about it, I went to Planned Parenthood at 18 years old, about two weeks before I went to college. And my mom said, you're getting on birth control. Now I was 18. Mm. I could have done my own research, but I just trusted my mom. Cause she's my mom and so many other women have that story, but we also don't know that you can technically only get pregnant six days out of the menstrual cycle. We're told we can get pregnant all month long. We're also not taught what birth control does to the body, how it can prevent the communication between your brain and your ovaries. So you're not actually ovulating that the period that you're having isn't actually a real period and that that could jeopardize fertility. I don't know what that is. It was like a, a graphic just came up on the screen. That's so weird. That Sorry. the balloons <laughs> earlier. I think it's just because yeah. I talk with my hands a lot. Maybe. Like, <laughs> we're also not taught that this could impact our fertility later down the line. Yeah. We are not taught these things. So yeah. I'm dealing with clients who have been on birth control for 15 years or more. And they're like, I'm wow. ready to get pregnant. And I'm looking at them like, okay. Well, mm. let me, before we even try to get, let me know what your baselines are. Where are you at? How long have you been off birth control? And then it's like, we're not talking about the fact that it's a toxin that's literally going into the body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's call it, let's, let, let me, let me give you a, some language that I use. We say hormonal contraception, which is actually pretty confusing because everything you do in your practice is talking about actual hormones. Hormonal contraception is not hormones. 
These are synthetic neuroendocrine disruptors. These are poisons meant mm-hmm. to shut down your ability to reproduce, which could be really good from a feministic lens. Like you don't have to get pregnant. However, it's actually confusing the whole conversation because now even OBGYNs are like, you still have a period. It's just hormones. It's no different from your other hormones. It's like, these aren't hormones at all, guys. Progestin could never do what progesterone no, does. It's, Progester- it's beautiful progesterone. I was on birth control and I felt psychotic. Now, remember, at the top of the conversation I shared with you, I was weight training. I had gotten on birth control. So I'm slim, slim. Now I'm a little bit bulkier. My body's not moving. And I was very in touch with my body. And I had a meltdown every single month. The Mm. moment I stopped taking birth control, I was attracted to different men because my pheromones were no longer shut down. Wow. I was all of a sudden like not as puffy. Like I was pretty much always the same weight, but I wasn't as puffy as I was. And I could think progestin could never be progesterone. Never. Like never, never ever. Never. Like, yeah. I know I'm being dramatic to some of you, but I think it's just to really encourage anybody who is a feminist or wants to have sovereignty over their body. It's in, to encourage you to actually learn about your cycle. Now, I understand that if you are living with a really tough condition, such as women with endometriosis who are on hormonal birth control to manage their pain, pain. Yeah, I can respect why you are on it. And I'm not going to tell you to get off of it, but I am going to say, support your body while you're on it. Take a really great probiotic, take a really great prenatal to support what's being depleted from your body. Amen. Like also shout out to you for we natal. Um, I found out about them because of you. So thank you. They're awesome. Yeah. They might be coming back as a podcast sponsor because I just love their, I just love their product. Um, it's so good. I actually, I got some because I was like, Oh, Mimi's taking this. Okay. And then she said, you recommended it. And I was like, Oh, I'm listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, uh, I, um, I love finding brands that actually reflect what you just said, which is like, hey, we can do these medical things. Thank God we do have pharmaceuticals and surgery and some of these other technologies, but this should not be the default. You shouldn't be slipped into that that category at age 15 when you have zero clue what sex even is, let alone what the dangers of these- these 15 year olds, they're different now. Well, they might be. I, mean, <laughs> I was just trying to figure out what, you know, what to do with my penis, let alone getting close to a woman. But, you know, frankly, it was so scary what they taught me in health class that I didn't have sex anyways until I was 18. And it was with a girl that I'm now married to. And we had been together for like two or three years before we even went down that path because we were both so frightened. And my wife had a very similar experience to you. She was on the pill or she was on the patch at first and then on the pill. And, and eventually by the time we were in college, she was like, she wasn't seeing in, in full technicolor anymore. Like life just was changed, was, was not rich and then didn't have that vitality. And sure enough, when she came off of it, her hair got curly again, her skin cleared up, like everything felt better. So unless you really have to, I mean, there's great reasons to be on birth control. It should not be 20 million or whatever Americans that are being prescribed this a year um, as early as age 13. You know, it's it's really a bigger conversation maybe for another time. So I do appreciate your, your candor. <laughs> 
<laughs> you were like, I was not expecting that, but I would just. I, I was, Marion. That, That's why I asked. Oh, okay. So for the girls who are listening, or even the anybody who is listening to this right now who wants to understand birth control and feminism and that relationship, I encourage you to read the book Eve in Exile. Now, before you go purchase this book, let me give you a quick disclaimer. It is coming from a very conservative author in a very... Um, from what I understand, she's Christian, which I'm totally all about taking what you need and leaving what you don't. But it really helps you understand the different waves of feminism in relationship to birth control specifically. The rest of the book, to each their own. I don't know how people feel. I don't really care. That's a you thing, not a me thing. But if you want to understand kind of that perspective, I would encourage you to read that book. Eve in exile and the restoration of femininity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a bit, that is a very very big, very complicated conversation. And many many people who I've had come on the podcast, who I've grown close to over the years, have lent me resources like this. They've they've recommended it, and it always it almost always if it doesn't change my mind, it at least gives me language to talk about it. And I think talking about it is actually we're not even talking about it yet, and and we're <laughs> you know and and it is important. And I think a lot of women resonate with what you've said. So um, so thank you, Barry, and you are a a. a tra- treasure like you have so many you're like a diamond with all these different facets and you're like an irregularly cut diamond too so you're like super odd and that makes you even more beautiful so thank you for um for sharing some time with me today and um people are going to find you at uh instagram um mm-hmm. barry and l barry b-e-r-r-i-o-n-l-b-e-r-r-y um tell people real quickly what you want them to know about your podcast and about your coaching services You know, I think I just want you to know that you're hormonal by nature and empowered by choice. And more than anything, that's what I want you to know. Yes, we are hormonal and it's not a bad thing. It's it's not. I know society will tell you different, but you get to be empowered in your hormones and feel at home in your body. I would also like you to know that you get to be happy. Because mm. this health conversation, I know I'm intense, but like somebody's got to do it. I, but in all honesty, it is a joy to live life. And you get to have joy and happiness on this hormonal health journey and just this journey of life all together. So that's it. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Barion. Anytime. And uh, man, I could riff on you uh, with you on some of these topics endlessly. So, you know, in the future, when we've got some new breakthroughs, maybe we can get back together on one of our shows and we'll we'll do some more sharing. I really love this. For sure. A different podcast swap. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Guys, find um, Barion's podcast, Happily Hormonal, H-O-R-M-O-N-E-L. She is highly educated. That is not an, uh, that is an intentional um, misspelling. And yes. um, happily hormonal, the same spelling.com. Um, Barry, and thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in another amazing episode of the Holistic of a Joanne podcast. Under wraps, if you want to find me, Nathan Riley, I'm the host. I am an MD. I'm a fellow of ACOG, meaning I'm a board-certified OB-GYN. I'm also a board-certified hospice and palliative care physician. 
You can find all of my services and products at BelovedHolistics.com, including an online shop with discount codes for all of the brands that are at the top of their category from water and hydration to supplements to um, courses. I mean, there's so much there. So go check that out. I also offer private consultation. You can buy packages. I'm also, um, of course, the PRP fertility program is open to all comers. You can find all of that at BelovedHolistics.com. If you're a midwife and you need collaboration from a physician, I got you. Go to Beloved Holistics. You'll find everything there. If you guys are enjoying the podcast, please support the sponsors. If you haven't left a five-star review, please go do that. It really, really means a lot. And lastly, if something in this episode touched you, share it with somebody that you love. I'm sure that they're going to love it too. We'll see you next week right back here on the Holistic OBGYN podcast. Take care and do no harm. Take no shit. Bye-bye, everybody.